the Luminous Possibilities Podcast. We offer a diversity of perspectives from many fields of medicine, esoteric and ancient wisdom, and subtle energy, arts, and sciences. Find deeply fulfilling pathways for co-creating yourself, life, and human communities around you. Find inspiring attunements to your own optimal living roadmap, true authentic self, and the most radiant frequency for living life to the fullest. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Luminous Possibilities Podcast. I'm Keenan White, your host, and I'm sitting here with Sophie Wolf. She's a play therapist and parent coach, therapist, coach. Yeah. Hi, Sophie. Hi. Great to be here with you today. Yeah, it's really good to be here. Yeah, I can't wait to dive into some of the things you want to talk about around your work. It's been amazing, and I've gotten a chance to experience some of it as well. Um, yeah, where do you want to start? Where do you want to jump in? Today, we're really going to talk about the the value of the rooted rhythm, which is the name of Sophie's business, of the parent and the child. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this idea of the rooted rhythm of a person, whether you're a kid or whether you're a parent, um, there is a certain rhythm that we can get into that is our own. Yeah. It's our authentic um yeah, stepping into the world through what is aligned to us, our integrity, our authenticity. And there's also the the rhythm of another person and somehow that gets sometimes implanted. Right. And there's projections. I mean, we live in a world where it's like it's easy to say, hey, you know, this is what I think is going on for you. And then that other person might feel like they're having a completely different experience. And so if you're a parent and, you know, I'm not a parent myself, but I've been around parents and children, of course, I've been a child, I've been a certain parent in a certain way, um, just growing up in my own household. Um, I think for most people, they understand that parent-child dynamic, but your perspective has been truly enlightening about what you're bringing to the table. So yeah, yeah just tell us a little bit about what how you define rooted rhythm. Totally. I mean, everything you just said, I, I feel it in my body um, because there's there's just so much truth to the to the fact that the parent child dynamic lays the template for all other relationships, in my opinion. Um, and I'm noticing even thinking about it, there's a lot of anxiety that comes up, like when like when I think about relationship in general, let alone the relationship that you see in a um, parent and child dynamic. I think I'm actually, I'll explain what the ideology behind Rooted Rhythm is, but what's coming to mind right now is actually a moment that I witnessed in the park yesterday Sure, please between do. a mom and a two-year-old child. Um, and it's just, it's feeling really strong in this Sometimes moment. Sometimes stories are yeah. the best for explaining yeah. these points. So I watched this mother um, caretaking her child, this two-year-old boy, and he had just figured out how to ride one of those little bikes without wheels, like without pedals. So he's like running. And this kid is so excited to be able to do this. Like I picture him like running free in the wild. Like he just got his wheels. Um, and I yeah. thought from my perspective, I'm like sitting on the other side of the park, I'm feeling his freedom and I'm feeling his excitement. And it's like propelling him to explore even more of what, more than he knew was possible. And he starts to move towards a group of four or five-year-olds playing baseball or what is, 
it's not even baseball when they're four or five, like soft yeah, softball. softball maybe. Yeah, softball. Like it, the ball was soft. It wasn't, it was not a danger zone. <laughs> not playing hardball. Yeah, not playing hardball. <laughs> and you could see like the minute this child moved towards the field, all the alarm systems and mom went off. And while just about 30 seconds prior, she was watching him with delight. All of a sudden there was this fear that came on board and I saw her start to panic and I saw her start to realize that she needed to step in and control the situation. And she's saying, let's just, I, I can't remember the name, but I feel like it was Theo. She's saying, Theo, like, come back, come back, Theo, like, come back. And Theo's like looking at her, like what I'm exploring. And she ends up like grabbing him off. She says, do you want to come back yourself or do you want me to pick you up? And she ends up picking him up. And then I see the quote unquote repair that's being done on the side. And she said, you have to listen to mama. It's not safe to be there. And I just saw this moment of mom being ruled by the shoulds. It wasn't that it wasn't safe. It was that she didn't want her child to disrupt the structure that was in form over there. Like there were coaches and there were kids and I could see her feeling of, I should control my child Mm -hmm. at odds with the part of her that I saw a minute earlier that wants her child to be free to explore. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, when she set the limit and the boundary, the child looked at her like, what are you talking about, mom? I was playing. Mm. And it was like, there was a truth that was swallowed and then on they went and it felt significant. Yeah. So like a normal moment where a kid is playing and is just excited about joining another group. And there's this whole thing that the parent projects of like, oh my God, that's not okay. That's not safe. And then tells the the kid. So is this, what's your um, five years of, you know, play therapy and, and, parent coaching tell you like what what's going on underneath the the scenes there well first of all there's absolutely nothing wrong with that dynamic like there's if if in this case the mom was aware of like oh I made a choice to set a limit because the part of me that wants my child to behave and not disrupt was feeling like it needed to take the lead then that was totally okay but I saw that the mom was feeling like she had acted in a way that was incongruent to her values and it caused a moment of disconnect. And so what I do in the play therapy and parent coaching process as part of rooted rhythm therapy is I create space for children to just bring their parts as they are without boundaries. And when I do set a boundary, I make it clear that it's for me. And this idea was actually, um, it wasn't, that's not my idea. That's something I learned from Lisa Dion and Boulder who created the Synergetic Play Therapy Institute. It's the idea that boundaries and limits are for the adults because it's not within our window of tolerance to let kids go where they know they can safely move towards because of the moment when we were two and our parents said, watch out, when we were just like mm-hmm. running to look at the flower. Mm-hmm. And so when, a, when we can bring awareness to it, the moment of repair can create a deepening connection between parent and child because the parent can say, hey, when you move towards those kids, my heart got really tight and I like, and my hands got really sweaty and I got scared that something bad would happen to you. And so in order for me to hang out at the park and be in connection with you, I need you to come play over here, but it's for me, not for you. And how else would you like to explore? Right. Totally. Yeah. It's, I guess, I mean, like projections, we do them all, we do them all the time. There's nothing wrong with them, but then in terms of the, the kid, 
moving on to life, there might not be a sense of safety in his exploration. Mm -hmm. Therefore, like, or there, uh, there after that moment. Mm -hmm. So what you're doing seems like you're really, you're kind of like repairing any disconnect that may have happened within the child and then sort of supporting the parent and recognizing their own, um, maybe their own wound or like their own memory of something at the similar age. Because I think one of the, the things that stand out to me in, in child work is this idea that like if you if you are a person and you see a kid at any age mm -hmm. and say that kid is four and there's just something about that four-year-old that you're just like, oh my God, this four-year-old's driving me crazy or there's something here that I'm not liking mm -hmm. or like someone get them under control or something that usually that's a reflection of you, your four-year-old. Absolutely. It wouldn't feel triggering if it's not a part of you that hasn't yet been integrated. Like when I, if I'm in interaction with someone that's really strongly judging me for how I'm showing up, if it's a part of me that I've really explored and integrated and now know it to be true for who I am, the judgment isn't going to impact me. It's, it's cure. I have curiosity that this person has so much resistance towards this part of me. But when I get a judgment for a part of me that I haven't explored in that way, I, you know, my alarm systems go off. My left, I don't feel emotionally safe. And it's really a reflection of where I haven't fully attached to myself with that part of me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so I just, and I know like any child that I'm working with too, even as part of these family systems that I get to be a part of, there's always some part of me that I, I haven't yet integrated. And here, this child is showing us a part of themselves, like the three-year-old that just wants to feel uncontained and is feeling contained in their world. And it's the parent's responsibility to look at where that triggers their systems and their stories and their shoulds and yeah. where it brings up the part of them that actually would like to feel more free. Yeah. There's a nice story you were talking about earlier. I wonder if you want to share that one yeah. right now about the one about, um, yeah, do you remember it? I remember. I don't need to, yeah. to mention too much. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I feel was like just, it plays in. Yeah, totally. So yeah, like keeping in mind, there's all different kinds of kids that will come to engage in the play therapy process. Some are, some have had really significant, serious, traumatic events happen in their life, and they really need a place to retell the story with the presence of another that can co-regulate with them in the story, and process something through that didn't get processed in the moment of trauma. Which is really huge because yeah. if you take care of a lot of that stuff when you're young. Totally. Wow, is that different? Totally. Like a child that a child that was in a car accident and now has big reactions every time he has to get in the car, he can come into the play therapy process and move right through it. And yeah. then that's it. You know, it's not stored. Um so I don't want to make light of not that these examples are lighter, but I do I don't want to make light of some of the really like capital T traumas that kids are coming in with that they will move towards through play, which is a child's natural language. Mm -hmm. And then their parents can help understand the behaviors they're showing now as efforts to regulate from the distress they felt. Um, does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Yeah. So the anxiety is actually them trying to find a way to feel safe in their world. Yeah. Like yeah. it's a feedback mechanism yeah. to show like, Hey, like there's something here that like, I don't really know what to do with. And right. Right. And so I just like <clears throat> love the opportunity for them to tell the story, which is such an important way of integrating something difficult that's happened. Um, but I just brought that up because I'm the story I want to share that I shared with you earlier is more about 
a child that actually has an, a, a really safe and secure foundation. Mm-hmm. You know, she's not working through really difficult relational trauma or accidents. She ha- she came in with a really stable base. Um, yeah, it's important yeah. to provide that context. Yeah. And, and it feels important also to highlight at this point, this idea of like, what's the point of all this work? You know, yeah. like, why would someone want to come in and do this? Or why does anyone want to work on any like shadow part of themselves? But I mean, like my synopsis, and I'd be curious what yours is too, is just that, you know, we can experience greater senses of freedom, um, a more liberated sense of self, like more, more radiance, more uh, like deeper connection, more intimacy in relationships, mm-hmm. and just a greater, a greater sense of abundance and fulfillment, because there's I mean, because so many things come back to this idea of like, we have a nervous system. And when something traumatic happens, like we don't feel safe, and there's something that's going to trigger that. Mm -hmm. And the more we're triggered into a sense of like, um, dysregulation or unsafeness, Mm -hmm. the less we're able to really like be independent, ironically, and like go explore the world. And so I mean, of course, everyone wants to have that Absolutely. Like free spirit way of living. Absolutely. And I'm realizing, uh, of course, this is really true to who I am. This conversation is not in any way, line- not in any way linear. Um, and, um, <laughs> but that's the point of root of rhythm. It's like, we need people to show up to their lives in a way that's true to who they are, because that's the only way they can move towards their authentic purpose. So in my opinion, it's not just about like intimacy that feels really good and and feeling in an empowered state all of those things are important and they're nice but it's actually that those things are bridges towards your impact like i can't when i was working in the medicaid system and i was working with an ideology that pathologized humans and made them wrong and made me the savior coming in i was not doing my best work but mm-hmm. because of all the shoulds that were running my show, you know, I was, I was um, moving towards work in a less empowered way. And as I unlearn a lot of what I originally learned about how to be a therapist, I can show up in a way that I believe is exponentially more impactful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like when I, when I hear impact, I really think about the creation. Cause yeah, I mean, like the things that I mentioned, they really do lead to like a create a creativity because it seems like and this is why i was wanting to hear this story um but it seems that when you work through certain traumas or you work through certain limiting patterns or whatever and you begin to feel more of that uh empowerment you're you're coming into more of a creative space Mm -hmm. of Mm self-expression but even just alignment to like a deeper sense of purpose of like who you are and what you want to be and and be doing in the world and so totally yeah so um I'm going to move into that story because it's exactly that. Um, so this, um, I'm realizing we haven't even defined what play therapy is. Yeah. Well, yeah. Should we, we do that? Definitely. I'm like, yeah. Here I am like jumping ahead to the, to the story. So um, play therapy is a form of therapeutically working with children in a way that meets them in their language, which is play. Children learn through play. They, they have peekaboo to understand the idea of object permanence. You know, they have, which is, which is the fact that like an object exists when you're looking at it and then might still exist when you put a blanket over it okay. and then you take it off yeah. and it's still there. And then ultimately at a certain age, I forgetting the, like the age and the theory, but maybe three or something, they realize, wow, when I put the blanket over 
the bottle and I can't see it, it still exists. And it's this game of hide and seek. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so kids are figuring out like what's real. Yeah. What's real. And there's so many other games where you learn cause and effect. And if you take it to like another psychological level, you can think about the way we're still playing those games in our relationship. Like if I hide mm. in my room and I don't talk to you, am I still here? Like, do you still feel me? <laughs> I um, think I played that one recently. <laughs> totally, exactly. There's so we play, we play all the games. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Monopoly. Like when you're buying houses and putting numbers on these objects and thinking they have that certain levels of value. Mm. Um, so, oh my gosh, I'm just getting into like, yeah, Candyland. Yeah, There's can, so many fun, like, it's so, it's so good. You can feel your passion and yeah. love for your work. It's yeah, really inspiring. totally. Um, gosh, I'm getting so off track. Um, but so in the play therapy process, when you give a child space to express in their language, which is play, they naturally move towards communicating what's in their heart because they want to be felt and seen and understood. They just can't do it by sitting down and walking through a cognitive behavioral left brain. Yeah. Like like that's not how there are. I will say like, there are certain kids that have like very old souls and high intellect and they might do really well talking through things. And then that's part of meeting them where they are. Um, But in most cases, it's like, I love the quote, it's Plato um, said this, you can learn more about a person in an hour of play than a year of conversation. Yeah. That's a really nice one. Yeah. So kids will move straight towards the challenge. Um, for example, a child that I knew from the, from talking with the parents before I met her, that was really struggling with the impact that COVID has had on her life and holding on to how things used to be when she could see groups of friends and go to school in person. The first session that she came into the playroom, she pointed out everything in the room that seemed a little off. Like if there was a toy that had a, um, a chip on it, or if there was something that had a a rip on it, she pointed at it and she said, did it always used to be this way? Like, did that always used to be this way? Is this different than it used to be? And I paused, I slowed her down. I got in my body because it was very much like an out here emotional experience she was having. And I was like, wow, I'm really, I'm seeing that you're noticing a lot of things that used to be different it sort of reminds me of how the world used to be different than it is right now. And then immediately she said, yeah, COVID's so hard. And then, and then it all came out. It all Mm -hmm. came out, all of the feelings, all of the stuck stuff. And the best part about it is that, yes, we spent some time in the muck of it, but then she naturally moved towards using her hands to create something after that process had had occurred because something came up for her to look at and process. And then she naturally moved towards regulation in order for it to integrate. So that's pretty much the principle of play therapy is a child will naturally move towards challenge so that they can sit with the discomfort and then allow it to integrate. And if an adult, if a safe adult is there to co-regulate with them and to notice and to narrate their play and become the prefrontal cortex that's saying, now you're moving towards this side of the room. Now you're wondering which toy to play with. It's their system can relax because they're grounded in this moment. And then they can, they really do the work themselves. Yeah, that's really beautiful. But that safe container and that presence that you're really offering there. And of course, being able to 
recognize those moments like the kind of like small windows into mm -hmm. the psyche of like oh it's like interesting you said that or like just kind of facilitating them along their own journey mm -hmm. of where they're directing their attention and energy um yeah there's like a little catalyst that you're you're adding which i mean yeah i can see just has a huge amount of value yeah and there's so many layers to it um i mean i've been trained primarily in synergetic play therapy which is probably kind of at the foundation of everything I do where I'm really tracking my nervous system and I'm naming to them what's happening in my nervous system and what I think is happening in theirs so mm -hmm. that they just start to learn themselves. Like, oh, I just went into a hypo around state and I don't really know where I am in the room or, oh, like I'm feeling really anxious right now. Um, and I think underneath it all, one deeper level I'll share is just um, the idea that the child and I are become in relationship and I become the attachment figure for the child in the process, which means that they're going to project onto me their experience. Um, so how, yeah, you're like kind of looking at me. Like, well, I'm waiting about? to hear yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Lisa Dion out of the Synergetic Play Therapy Institute talks about the offering or the setup. She used to call it the setup. Now she calls it the offering. And it's the idea that a child will set you up to feel how they're feeling. So if a child comes in and they're ignoring me, I have a lot of information around how that child feels in their world. They probably feel really ignored. And if I can love them in it and I can be with them in it and I can attune to their experience of feeling ignored and I can name what it feels like to be ignored and how it feels in my body and model to them what to do with that, which in, in that case is I'm going to have to really connect with myself. And I'm gonna have to connect. <laughs> We've got a dog on the We've floor. We've got a here. dog on the floor. Moving around a little bit. Moving around a little bit. Um, so yeah, just there's so much I could say. I could go like, on forever about the like theory of it. You know? I love it. Well, it's yeah. it's amazing because I mean, it, I just I mean, we're naming this in the context of kids, but I just think about people too, like adults. I mean, it's the same thing. Like if someone's holding a certain energy even if you're in a, in a, you know, relationship with your partner, whoever it is to, to kind of name your experience of like how that their energy affects you, I'm sure like brings you a little closer in, into something they're looking to integrate. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's unconscious at that point, but that could be a powerful experience for one another. If, of course. Like yeah. if I'm feeling rejected or abandoned or I'm feeling really anxious and clingy, there's likely a part of my partner that's also feeling that and I get information. Mm -hmm. And that's really, I mean, like you mentioned, I'm about five years into really being in the therapy field. Like, I feel like I still have so much exploration to do around my true theory. Like, so I mentioned Lisa Dion's ideology and I've also learned a lot about attachment-based theory and, you know, just understanding parts work. And I, I'll be curious to see over time what I decide. Cause there's also a part of me that's like, well, it can't always be projection. You know, this is maybe this is just my trauma coming up in that moment that I feel abandoned or rejected. And I don't need to make an assumption that my partner also feels that way. Yeah. I mean, it seems like with wherever you are, the most important or one of the most important factors is a openness and a curiosity mm -hmm. 
to what else is possible and not bringing you know certain theories you learned in school because you know you have your master's and mm -hmm. what did you get it in i actually studied social work social work mm -hmm. okay so master's in social work in that context um yeah it's providing its own set of language and understanding about what is true in the world and and yeah i mean yeah there's just so much more so i i yeah i admire your willingness to just be open mm -hmm. because it seems like that's probably one of the most, most important things to yeah it's interesting i there's all of this theory there's all of this like what is therapy and there's people who have been to all types of therapists so they have a construct in their head of what therapy is and there's a big part of me that isn't really sure what it is but i know that i see <laughs> shifts in kids and i see shifts in families and and I think the power is being loving and present towards a child and their family system and not making them wrong or their parents wrong and literally just curiously seeing the parts of them and being in relationship with them and letting them know how that's their system and their way of doing things impacts me mm -hmm. and showing them parts of me. And ultimately, there's just like a greater sense of belonging for all of us. And then shifts happen. And I just want to name children are naturally growing and shifting anyway. Like developmentally, what was a challenge a couple months ago will have been integrated and a new challenge will be here. So without even any play therapy and just relaxation on the parents' part and witnessing their child's journey, healing and growth is happening. Yeah, that's cool. Does, does anything come to mind? Because I feel like I can imagine a lot of what happens is um, the parents are coming in and they're, they're seeing like, okay, like we could use some help here. And I'm sure that's one way that, a, that a person might come to you, but um, is there anything in particular that you might say to parents, like in mm -hmm. terms of what you find, like maybe they, they could like the relaxing into piece is really nice. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would, you'd want them to know? Mm. When parents usually first come to me, um, they're really anxious or really shut down. And usually I'm just actually meeting the child in them. It's not necessarily necessarily the time to give advice. So you first of all, it's like, hi, like you're okay. You have this child you have to take care of. It's crazy, <laughs> you know, like, like really. So it's like not, and I can get into like advicey pieces, but it's also I just like, it. I see the kid in you too. This is all really scary or this is all really overwhelming. And like, you get to not be okay too. And there's this way that I get to attune to the parent and help them relax into the challenges they're growing through. And then we get to look at their child and see once the parent is more grounded and knowing it's actually all okay and they don't have to do it alone. Then we get to look and see, okay, really like what's happening with your child and where can we support them more in growing and thriving? So once the parent is regulated, then you can support the child. Right. Because um, I like the metaphor I love is timeout is for the parent, not the child. Time out as the parent saying, hey, I can't stay regulated in this moment and help you in this opportunity for growth. So I need a break. That's pretty huge. Yeah. To see that. Yeah. So I teach parents to actually just take time out themselves and give themselves permission 
Yeah, which is really, it's probably like a really nice moment to take a time out for a parent, yeah. I'm sure. And so yeah. if you can just really just allow yourself to do that, I can imagine, I mean, how much more energy can you bring back to the moments? Yeah, I can just, I again, like I don't have a kid, but yeah, I mean, like being around little ones and, and the constant energy, mm-hmm. you know, running and it's just this and then it's this and then it's this and then there's like nap time. And it's like, oh, yeah. But if you can create a little bit more of those oh, moments where you're you're able to sigh and like take it easy. Right. So usually it's like in terms of how parents can support their kids or what would be helpful for them to know is that anything they're wanting their child to learn starts with the parent's relationship to themselves. So like if they're having a violent relationship with themselves or they're not speaking to themselves with patience and self-love and all of those things, it's going to be really hard to provide that for their child. And then they're wondering why their child is responding to them the way that they are. I just, I love a dad last week, we were talking about this and he was like, oh, is that why my six-year-old daughter told me I should say sorry to myself this weekend? (laughs) And he kind of had this moment of like, oh, she actually gets it more than I do. And then like this dad in particular, he's working on just like loving his process and being curious about it and then showing up in all of his messy parts to his parenting. And it's like, yeah, it's really messy. And it's, you know, it's like not so many uncomfortable parts are there. And I think there's kind of like a stigma in therapy of like, if you're getting a therapist, then like there's something wrong. Right. And it's really like, I just want to bring up the point of let's just break that idea, you know, like to receive help is actually like a strength Mm -hmm. and to know, like, I've been kind of like sitting with this idea of humbleness and this idea of humbleness ties into a couple things. One being the fact that we have limits, Mm -hmm. like we can only go so far. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, sometimes we need help and it's actually amazing to ask for help. Mm -hmm. And so if we can recognize that we have limits and then we can, we need help, Fuck, mm-hmm. does it make life a lot easier sometimes? Sometimes we need just someone to co-regulate with us. And sometimes we need a mirror. We just need to see in someone else's eyes how what's happening for us looks. Yeah, and you do that really well. I mean, I appreciate the way the way you, you bring such an embodied experience because, mm-hmm. I mean, even as, um, you know, we, we're both along, we, we both work in similar lines mm-hmm. of work. And so... Um, we recognize that piece like, yeah, we could probably take care of like some mm-hmm. stuff on our own, but yeah. like being able to support one another mm-hmm. and you guided me through one of your processes, mm-hmm. um, which was really helpful of like really feeling your feet and like working the energy what up to your calf and like your knees and like feeling your entire body and like really rooting in there. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that's such a, a vital component because I think, and I, I don't know, um, maybe a large enough spectrum of the therapeutic world in terms of talk therapy and all that but i could see that it gets kind of heady and it Mm. gets like you know we want to figure things out and we're like in the head and like to bring everything into the feeling space Mm -hmm. and really working on the energy of the Mm -hmm. experience i think is really like a, a strong point and i'll be the first to say like in my own process i can't do it alone like i mean i have my ways of getting in my body but it's so hard to go to that non-linear right side of the brain where I believe the healing happens on your own. And so I so appreciate 
you're letting me take you there. And could I, do I have permission to share from my perspective? Yeah. Yeah. Like, because you were talking about a situation that was eating at you and was like, it was so much on the left side of the brain, which is the, how do I figure this out? And the, what have I done wrong? And what should I do? And I wanted to just be like, Keenan, like, I love you. You're fine. And like, and it's not going to be fixed by like a to-do list. And then when you dropped into your body and you allowed yourself to remember your like innate wisdom and your innate sense of safety and your innate knowing, you were able to travel back to an earlier memory where this energy was first stored and literally heal yourself. Like you naturally moved towards healing by grounding into your body and trusting the messages your body was sharing with you. Yeah, I mean, it re really reminds me of, because it, it can be so simple and like we have this, such an intelligence within us mm -hmm. and there, there is a very real component of there's every part of my being and my system that's going to protect me from going to the painful things. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm on my own, like, I'm not going to go there, like, right. you know, or it's going to be, it's going to take an, an immense willpower to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's nice to just have someone mm -hmm. guiding you through a little bit more to your innate wisdom and not necessarily being like, here's the answer for you, but like, yeah. okay, the answer is inside of you. And like, here's like the way over to it right mm -hmm. and if you remember i kept saying notice the tendency to move away and choose to lean in choose to move towards and what i was feeling is like i'm so here with you and you're so here with you and you can move in and feel it to heal it like you can move through mm -hmm. it totally and it, and it takes i think that co-regulation that like okay, like I'm with someone else who sees me through this. Mm -hmm. That's all the difference. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine that the implications there for kids. I mean, like mm -hmm. that's all they really need in a big way. Because mm -hmm. if you're alone, it's like, yeah, I'm like, I, you can be in that space and you can be in your hard, your hard places and like, mm -hmm. you know, be feeling that, but then you're alone. Like you're not necessarily... Like we're just social creatures. We need we there's a part of us that mm -hmm. genuinely needs like human interaction and touch and connection to really like get into the, the deeper integrations, I think. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it can be very simple and it can happen very fast. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, I think it does take that. Yeah. Yeah, like it takes a couple, you know, it takes yeah. two, three or like whatever. Yeah, yeah, this so like resonates for me. And ultimately I know that like at the core of my being, I just want to be seen and felt and heard. Like me, I know that truth to be so true for me. And to be able to just provide this container to give that to kids in these moments where it's like, I so see you, like I so feel you in their kind of messy or amazingly empowered moments. Mm -hmm. This con the connection between us is healing for the whole system. And then of course with parents and also like you mentioned, I work with adults in just a slightly different way, less play and more body. Um, it's just a gift to like have these human moments. It's so cliche. I think I've shared with you my favorite quote. Of course it's Ram Das, um, but um, we're all just walking each other home. Mm -hmm. like, that's beautiful. That's what yeah. we're doing. Yeah. 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 Like we just wanna remember what it feels like to come home to ourselves. And to come home mm -hmm. to a place outside of the noise and the chaos of now and 
those mo like we do it together like right now i'm like hi hey. <laughs> <Thank> you, <laughs> you yeah know? totally and yeah that, that's kind of what you mean by rhythm right yeah. like that natural rhythm of being where we just feel yeah yeah like we're, we've arrived kind of like i have a choice to put up a defense right now and get scared of the connection that's forming between us and create a story or run or whatever I could energetically do or I could choose to be here and like feel you and feel myself and like whew, be here yeah yeah it feels really good yeah well I appreciate your presence and yeah. your yeah you're just your being your willingness to yeah show up with such a big heart and yeah, I think it's about time we probably wrap it up, but I'm sure people are yeah. wondering about this story. So, oh yeah, <laughs> it wasn't ready in the beginning. It wasn't ready, so. but we weaved we weaved the web. Um, okay, so yeah, we'll wrap up with. I'll just share the example of a play therapy process that I was sharing with you earlier. One of my favorite. Um, one of my favorite. It's so in grad school we learned to say cases. Like it's the case. I was working with this case, and that's just so interesting. One of the families I had the gift of exploring with um there was a two-year-old girl she she was about to turn three and her parents brought her to therapy because they were going through a divorce and they had a story that this child really needed to process what it meant for her parents to split up um and there was yeah just a big story about the trauma she was carrying and it became clear pretty immediately that she was fine she was stoked to have her the little one. Yeah, the little one was so excited to have um, her parents living in two separate houses where she could get their full attention and she could wake them up to who they were. And also there's two houses. That's kind of exciting yeah. as well. And one of the houses had a cool friend, you know, it was, you know, like there was just so much that she was loving about her new life. And she had actually processed it way before the parents, you know, like kids know. She's like, yeah, my parents are not going to be together anymore and this is the path we're on um <laughs> the parents had some work to do around letting go and around healing the parts of their fantasy that had died of being together forever um and that was an amazing process to sit with them in um but this little one we can just call her leah um leah came into the play therapy room and she wasn't really she showed me that she wasn't really sure of herself, which was developmentally appropriate. She's, you know, two and a half. She's not yet attached to herself and connected to herself. And she's not quite sure where she is in time and space. You know, time is a really interesting concept for little ones. Um, so she spent a few sessions just orienting to the space and looking, labeling things like trees, animals, mommy. Oh, and by the way, I shared she actually wanted her parents there with her. Not all kids do, but it became really clear what we could have labeled as separation anxiety if we were going to pathologize was actually her just wanting to be witnessed by her parents in this process because it was for them too. Mm -hmm. So mom and dad were there. They came separately. Um, and so they would switch off taking her, but she showed her parents her process of orienting to the space. A few sessions later, she started looking around and she started deciding what she liked and she didn't like. She's like, I like blue. I don't like green. You know, she was deciding what was true for her. And mm -hmm. the, what's really cool is that when I would integrate and process with the parents after they were in a parallel process of deciding what they wanted, what they want and don't want in their life. 
and what they like and don't like in their life. You know, so developmentally, they were all working with the same process of like, who am I? What do I like? Um, and then ultimately, she like kind of the arc of the play therapy series ended with Leah knew who she was, she knew what she liked and didn't liked. And then she decided I'm going to create. And there was a moment that she took the blocks out and she looked at me and at me and her mom in the eyes. And she was like, I'm going to create something that's never been created before. She said, come on, let's do it. And we, she like created this massive thing and there was no doubt and she was blossoming. And at the same time, her parents were each settling into their new lives. And her mom was thinking about, maybe I'll go to grad school. Maybe I'll, you know, she had this career before this life change that, you know, things had shifted. Um, her mom was, yeah, each of them, they were just getting more clear on their purpose. Um, and so now this family that came in with trauma actually left with just more clarity on who they were and seeking so much benefit from the original challenge. Yeah. And I think that one of the like pieces that stand, there's a few things that stand out to me, but the, the idea that, yeah, like my, my little one's like not okay, you know, and like, mm. and then realizing like, wait, that was mine. Like I'm not okay. And like, she actually is excited in a certain way. Mm, yeah. And to kind of, to make that clarification is I think really nice. Um, and then also I find it so interesting that the, well, the, the idea of um, these conditions or like, you know, there's some condition mm -hmm. this is like, and it tends to get kind of labeled in this like disease, like a separation anxiety where it's like, she just wanted to be seen mm. and like, yeah, maybe there was some anxiety there mm. as well. But I, I would urge people, I don't know, parents, like people thinking about this, that, um, yeah, to not necessarily put the label on it. Cause usually it's just like something's going on emotionally, mm. the energy, the emotion, mm -hmm. the energy in motion is just like going a certain way. And it, it just seems limiting that we, sometimes place these labels like and I guess I don't know mm -hmm. if you're diagnosing anything maybe that's mm -hmm. you know we're I think psychology and therapy is maybe coming out of this like old paradigm of like you know seeing things as these conditions in order to understand dis disease mm -hmm. and I mean there's some amazing like the doc just the documentary e-motion mm -hmm. is amazing in it and describing a lot of like mm -hmm. disease and things that arise all from emotions. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's probably an, another thing I would add in is like for people just to remember that it's probably just something emotionally that needs to shift yeah. or that is shifting and is changing. And like, um, yeah, your kid is like a reflection of you, you know, like mm -hmm. what she was going through was, um, yeah, it was a reflection of the parents, mm -hmm. but the fact that they were able to come in and then you saw this way of her wanting to be seen and then mm -hmm. to open up because i mean who knows like what gets stunted i guess when you're a kid mm -hmm. if like there's no resolve and mm -hmm. and certain things get pushed down and mm -hmm. set aside and they don't get dealt with um it could be challenging that for for them to blossom mm -hmm. and there's certain things that there's certain patterns that get reinforced and looped that don't always lead to that creativity of mm -hmm. like i'm going to create something out that no one has mm -hmm. done before like right. 
right. that's such an alignment to like a direction and like a purpose and, and like right. a sense of like, I'm here for a reason. And right. there's just so much joy with that. Right. And she had a few more sessions after that, after the big empowerment, which we like to do is to also let the integration happen. And then there'd be a completion of that cycle. And in those sessions, I got to learn about what made her tick. She was like fascinated about how things worked and how like when she would drink water she would be like, and then it goes in my body and then my tummy like she would like watch <laughs> it was like this fascination and that could change and shift over time but because there was a basic level of emotional and physical safety in her world and she wasn't being made wrong she got to reach those higher levels it's like maslow's hierarchy of needs when you have the base clear you can reach self-actualization so really just like i'll to sum it up by saying I mean, there's so much, there's so many more tangents we could go off, but like, that's the idea of rooted rhythm is that if we can just root the whole system down into safety in this moment and not just physical safety, but also emotional safety, like I'm going to take responsibility for my feelings and experiences and not project them onto you. That would be like the parent and also teaching kids to do that. You know, there's a lot that goes on with siblings and their friends. Um, if I can root down into my own experience and take ownership of it, I can then show up to connect with you and we can all grow together and we can all reach our potential, which is going to look so different for every person in the family. And then here we are enjoying this beautiful system that we chose to create. It's beautiful. Well, your work's amazing and you're amazing. I love you. Love you too. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You're amazing too. All right. See you next yeah. time. We'll do more for sure. Yeah.